Y'all ready to get in the Word this morning? Good. Get your Bibles out. I hope you brought your Bibles. Get your phones out, your iPads out. Hopefully you charged your stuff this morning and you're ready to receive the Word. Hopefully your phone doesn't down you in the middle of church. Amen. Now please don't use your phone to chat on social media or to text your neighbor about what you're going to have for lunch. You're feeding on the Word right now. You can eat flesh food later. Amen. How many of y'all been here for the last few weeks when we've been in this I Am series? How many of you been here? Come on, wave at me. Tell me you've been here. Praise God. How many of you have been touched or challenged by this series? This is, I, I have to be honest with you, this is the second time I've preached this series. And every time I preach it, I'm challenged even more in my walk with God. I'm challenged to see things in a greater perspective rather than just existing in the church. And I'm going to say this because I love you. There's a lot of existing in church, but not a lot of, not a lot of living in Christ. There's a lot of existing and hearing sermons. There's a lot of existing and singing songs. There's a lot of existing and emotions. But there's not a lot of living for the things of God in the church anymore. And this is what I've come to understand, that the reason that exists in the church today is because, truth be told, we like the idea of church but do not understand what church is all about. We like the idea of Christ, but we do not understand who Christ is. We like the idea of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, but we have no idea what they really do and how they really operate in our lives. And in order to understand all of those perspectives, you have to start with the I am. And so over the last five weeks, we've been dealing with this series. The first week we dealt with that he is I am. In other words, he's everything that you need. In week two, we dealt with he is the bread of life, that you need to stop feeding on the world and feed on him. He will sustain you. The world cannot Week three, we dealt with he is the light of the world. He is the light of the world. He is the thing that has come into your life to illuminate, but also to expose the dark places so that you don't have to live in the shadows of your existence anymore. In week four, we dealt with he is the door. Understand that he is not the house. He is the door. I have to say that the reason that we started to do this series was because I started to realize that in the church culture today, we have eliminated God and the Holy Spirit, and all we want is Jesus. But the Bible declares that Jesus is the elder brother. He is not the father. He is not the Holy Spirit. He is the elder brother. His design was to come and reconcile you back home to the father. And in that scripture, it says that Jesus is the door. Stop making Jesus the house. And in week five, we dealt with that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And I helped you to understand that even though it says that in scripture, I am the way, the truth, and the life, the, the, the translation of it is that he is the way to the truth and the life. Jesus is not the truth and the life. He is the way maker to the truth, which is God and the life that God has for you. Understand that Jesus did not write your plan. The father did. And, and this is hard a lot of times to deal with in the church because we have been so conditioned of, well, the three is one. And yes, the three is one. The Bible even says they are three different people, but they are one. But for some reason, we've clumped them all together and we've lost the mission of each one of these pieces in our lives. It takes the fullness of the Trinity to walk in the fullness of everything God has for you. But we have to embrace the fullness of the Trinity, not just pick and choose in the moments that we want. Not eliminate the Father because we don't want someone standing over us telling us how to live our lives. Listen, if you were good at living your life, you wouldn't need God. Amen. It got quiet in this Presbyterian church this morning. Amen. I don't want anybody telling me what to do. That's the problem. And the Bible calls that pride. And the word says that pride comes when? Before the fall. And I don't want a spirit of pride in the church. I want us to walk in humility, trusting God in everything that he has for our lives. And so we have to choose to understand who Jesus is first because Jesus was sent because we were ignorant. Can I be honest with you? Jesus was sent because we kept rejecting God. 
Jesus was sent because God got tired of calling bears out of the woods. Some of y'all know your word. You'll know what I'm talking about. God got tired of sending floods to get our attention. God got tired of having us to have moments, so he sent Jesus to reconcile us. The problem is is that a lot of people in the church, they don't even really know who Jesus is. They have an idea of who Jesus is, but they really don't know who he is. So I want to deal with the next part this morning. So if you'll turn with me to the book of John chapter 15. The book of John chapter 15, starting in verse 1. If you got it, say, I got it. If you're still looking, say, help me, Jesus. Amen. You're going to find it, I promise. Even if you look at that table of contents, you're going to find it, I promise. John chapter 15, verse 1, it says this. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may, be, that it may bear more fruit. Verse 3, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. And as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit so you will abide or so you will be my disciples. Father, we need your help today. Challenge us, shift us, shake us, mold us, make us. Do what only you can do in us. Father, we did not come to have our spirituality tickled. We've come that we might be changed by you and by your word. Help us to embrace what you want to do in us this morning. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Can I take just a few moments this morning and break down these verses of Scripture so that you have a greater understanding as to what Jesus is declaring in this moment with the disciples? How many disciples do I have in the room this morning? Come on, every hand should be up like this. Pastor, I don't know if I'm a disciple. Are you a follower of Christ? Do you cling to his word? Do you believe that he's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end? Do you believe that when you die, you either go to heaven or hell, and hopefully you're going to make it in? Amen. So raise your hand. You're a disciple. Let me see. You're in the house. I don't want to raise my hand. Listen, this is an interactive church. Amen. Amen. We believe in this. how I make sure that you're awake. Some of y'all still not raising your hand yet. I'm going to keep doing it until you raise your hand. Amen. I'm going to break your rebellious spirit in you today. Amen. The Bible says rebellion is as under witchcraft. Amen. Amen. I got everybody's hand up. Good. We're all awake. Amen. Okay, good. Verse 1, it says this, it says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. I am, in other words, I am the tree, and God is the gardener. The tree does not get planted without the gardener's permission. Mm, You're going to catch this in a second. Jesus had to have permission from the father to come get you. Jesus had to get permission from the father to come and reconcile you home. There is nothing in your life that manifests without God's ordination or his plan or his purpose in you. But for some reason, we seem to think that Jesus is everything. And the Bible says that Jesus is the vine. He is the true vine. Can I just be honest with you? There's a lot of us that are connected to things that we think are going to grow us, but they really aren't doing anything. He is the true vine, not the fake vine, not the dying vine, not the withering vine. He is the true and living vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Jesus says, I'm the tree. 
you're connected to, but it is his garden. I, I, I think we need to understand that for a second because the church is not the vine. Pastor Brian is not the vine. Pastor Ben and Pastor Katie in worship is not the vine. Jesus is the vine. If you are not connected to the vine, then you don't have a vine dresser in your life. If, you do not, if you're not connected to Jesus, then the Father has no access to you because it is through the vine that the gardener has the ability to deal with his garden. But in verse 2, it starts to dig a little deeper where it says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Can I, can I just say this to you before you start translating and start to think that God hates you because you might not be bearing fruit? No, he says this so you might understand that God does not like it when you do not bear fruit. It is not that God hates you because you do not bear fruit. It is not God's intention to throw you away. But he has every intention to get you into the position so that you start bearing fruit for the kingdom rather than bearing fruit for the world. And so it says there, it says, it says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may, be, that it may bear more fruit. The word to bear means this, to give birth to or produce naturally. Not manufactured praise. But inherent praise. Not manufactured prayer time, but desired prayer time. It's produced naturally rather than something we have to create in order for us to look the part and play the part on a Sunday morning. In other words, we stop playing Sunday Christian and we start living our lives for the kingdom each and every day because God is just really worthy of our lives. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that does not give birth or produce naturally, he takes away. But every branch that bears fruit or gives birth or produces naturally, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Look at your neighbor this morning and say, I am, I am a branch. Yeah. Pastor, I want to be the tree. I don't want to be the branch. I don't want to be, I don't want to be, I, I just want to, I want to be the thing, not a thing. Be careful what you ask for. Because I don't think any of you have wanted to crawl up on a cross yet. Look at your neighbor again and say, I am a branch. I, am a branch. I was created to produce fruit. Now, some of y'all didn't want to say that because you, you, you've been looking around on the ground seeing the fruit that you've been bearing. And you're like, but it's okay. But by the end of today, you're going to find out how to bear good fruit. So say it again. Say, I, I was, created was created to produce, to produce great, fruit. great fruit. Amen. Every branch in me that does not give birth or produce fruit is cut off. In other words, if you're in Christ and connected to the vine, there better be fruit coming off of your branch. God does not, I don't know if you understand this, God does not repair dead branches. He cuts off dead branches. And you go, God, Pastor, that's so mean. Why would you say something like that? Aren't you glad that he cuts the dead things off your life? Because could you imagine living your life growing with dead things attached to you? That'd be disgusting. You'd start to smell. You start to present yourself a way that nobody wants to be around you. Nobody wants to hang around dead things. I don't see any of you going up and digging grave sites and going, hey, let's play patty cake together. No, nobody's doing that foolishness. No, no, no. God, cre God came into your life to cut off the dead things, not to cause the dead things to live again. Can I just say this to you as a sidebar? Please stop trying to resuscitate dead things. 
you can't paint a dead, a dead branch to look like it's alive. Because even with new paint on it, it still will eventually wither away. But for some reason, we keep trying to super glue leaves back on because we want it to look great. When really God's saying, will you just let the thing die? When I have a tree in the front yard, which at the house I live in, I don't have trees at all. Praise God. I barely have a garden. Praise the Lord. For all of you people who do not like to do yard work, amen. That's where I'm at. Okay. Uh, when, when, the, when the branches fall, you don't run outside and go, ooh, let's put it back on. You go out and pick it up. And where do you put it? Why? Why don't you put it in bed with you? Why don't you put it at the table with you? Why don't you put it on the couch next to you while you're watching TV? Because it's dead. Okay, thank you. You proved my point. Let the dead things die. God never intended for you to live with dead things, and he never intended for his tree to have dead things on it. What, what do you mean by dead? I mean things that refuse to produce. Not the lack of understanding to produce, not the lack of wisdom in producing, but the things that refuse to produce. Those are the things he cuts off. Why? Because those dead things will begin to affect the other branches. Every branch that does not give birth or produce fruit, he prunes when you produce. It not only does he cut off the things that don't produce, but he even prunes the things that do produce. God, man, God's a tough God. Why, why, why can't he just celebrate us when we produce good things? Here's the truth of it. Not only does he cut off the dead things, but he'll even prune back the things in your life so that you create or produce greater in the seasons to come. I, I, I'm not a tree guy. I, I, if limbs grow weird, I, we, had a, we used to have a tree in the house we used to live in that, that when we moved in the house, the trees were like really hanging low. And, and, and so I went out back one day, and I was like, we got to cut these trees back. And there's a certain way to cut a tree back. You can't just go hacking trees, although I had to learn that, amen, because in my thought, it's like, there it goes. Okay, we're good. Let's move on. But, but I knew that you have to cut it at, certain, at a certain space in the knot and, and, and do all these things. And so we're cutting these limbs back. And here was the reason why we cut the limbs back. We cut the limbs back because we could not exist under the tree with the dead branches that were hanging. You're going to catch this in a second. The Bible says that he is the tree of life. The problem is we keep trying to hang under trees with dead branches. Dead branches eliminate the production of good fruit. And until you eliminate the dead branches, there will be no fruit on that tree because those dead branches will affect the health of the tree to produce greater fruit. And here's the truth of it. There's a problem when we are comfortable hanging under dead branches. There's a problem when we become comfortable with the dead things. And Jesus says, I've, I'm the vine, and if you connect in me, you'll be healthy. But understand that my father not only cuts off the things that attach itself to the tree and are dead, but he also will prune you back. You should thank God that he's willing to prune you back. Because his desire is for you to have great production, not mediocre production. His desire is for you to bear great fruit, not bad fruit, not the spoiled fruit that falls to the ground and you have to throw in the trash, but one that he can people can come up to and grab a hold of what you produce and understand that it is not that you that produced it, but the one who created you and the one who's gardening you and the one that you're connected to. The fruit is because you're connected to the vine, not because you're a good branch. Pastor, I, I want to create good fruit. What are you connected to this morning? What are you attached to? Well, I'm attached to Sunday morning service. You're going to die. I'm attached to your preaching. You're going to die. Because my preaching can't save you. The worship can't save you. But Jesus can. Because he prunes back so that you might bear more fruit. But what is this fruit he's talking about? Well, I'm glad you asked. 
Verse 22, it says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Here it comes. Joy. Peace. Here it says long-suffering or patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Here's a good one for you. Self-control. And the church said amen. Amen to self-control. Praise God. I'm trying to grab something out of my, my folder here because I, I, this is going to be a little interactive this morning. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give these away. Just hold on to them for a second, and, and then we're, we're going we're gonna to walk through this together. Amen. Uh, uh, Pastor Robert, I'm going to give you love. Amen. I'm going to give you love. Um, Kirk, I'm going to give you joy. Uh, I'm going to give you peace. Amen. Who? No, I'm, no, no. I'm giving it to you this morning. Amen. Amen. Um, um, Pastor Troy, I'm going to no. hmm, find a good one for this one. Uh, Troy, Troy I'll, I'll give you kindness. Um, no, that wasn't a slap. Y'all are so mean. I'm, I'm just talking. And y'all are like, oh, I'm not putting people down this morning. Lord, help us. Um, I can't talk because I'm going to make the microphone go backwards in a second. Are y'all, are y'all mad because I'm not calling any of y'all down here? All right, good. Praise the Lord. There you go. Now you all get one. Praise the Lord. Okay. You always got to use the youth in your interactive sermon because it just works. Can I get love up here right, right, right about, right about, hold on, I need you right about here, love. Now, now, love, you have to look like love, not my daughter, love. You got to dim it. You got to show love, right? So, so, amen. Okay, so you got you to gotta look lovable. Amen. All right. Just stand like this. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Okay. Uh, so the Bible says that there is love. Where's joy? Where's joy? Joy. Come stand right next to love, but I need you to put your left hand on love. Shoulder. There you go, on his shoulder. Amen. Oh, here it comes. All right, where's peace? I need peace. It just, we're just going to kind of flow this way. So, so peace, get next to Kirk, and, and, and you're going to put your arm on, on Kirk's shoulder. Love, joy, peace, kindness. Oh, is it faithfulness? I'm, I'm probably jacking up scripture right now. Amen. Put that scripture back up so we can all walk by it so I don't mess it up this morning. Love, joy, peace, patience. Where's patience at? Patience. You notice that patience is love's daughter, and I put him, amen, okay, amen. Uh, love and patience, and then we got goodness, or I'm sorry, patience, kindness. I'm sorry, I'm going to read my scripture here this morning. Kindness, then we have goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Just come on and keep on working it out, amen. Throwing phones and Bibles on the floor, amen. All right, we got everybody up here. All right, the pastor, what are you doing? Okay, now watch. Okay, work it out, guys, work it out. Y'all good, gentleness? Okay, good, we're good, all right. Amen. Here's, here's how it goes. You cannot have one fruit without the other. Okay, now watch. We want God to give us the ability to operate in self-control. Can I get an amen from the church? Amen. Everybody needs self-control. Okay, I get it, right? Everybody needs that. But do you understand that self-control cannot manifest in your life until love is bared from your tree? Watch this. The Bible says that God is love. Everything starts at love. Love is not the only thing. It is the start of a thing. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Everything is bound and birthed out of love. So in other words, if I want joy in my life, I have to have love first. I cannot have joy until love abides in me. In other words, if God is love, then God abides in me and I in him. So therefore, now because I am in that place, now joy manifests in my life. And you don't have to fight for joy. Joy manifests because love exists. 
See, here's the problem. We spend the majority of our Christian walk or our believer walk trying to get one of these fruits to bear from our tree, the place that's lacking. Here's how you fix it. Stop asking God to give you one. Go back to love. Go back to abiding in the Father so that he can abide in you so that it can produce joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. You cannot have joy without love. And without joy, you cannot have peace. But I need peace, but you have no joy, which means you have no love. You cannot have peace till joy and love manifest. I can do this all day. I want joy. Okay, I got joy, love, and peace, but, but I'm not patient. Amen. Can I get amen from the church? Amen. I, I'm not patient. No, I hate going to Walmart. People just sit there. They go into 20-item land. They got 42 items, and they want to ring it up, and they got to look at every item, and they got to find the stupid barcode. It's like, hurry up. I got two items. Couldn't they just see I had two items? They could have just let me go in front of it. No, they had to ring up all 42 of their items before they let me do it because I said to them, just wait patiently on the Lord while I prayed the bears out of the woods. Thank you, Elijah. <sighs> Patience. I love, I love how the Bible says long-suffering. <laughs> You're going to suffer long. Yep, at Walmart, you will. Amen. You will at Walmart. And, then, and so if I want patience, I have to have peace, joy, and love. If I want kindness, I have to have patience, peace, joy, and love. If I want goodness, I have to operate in kindness, patience, peace, joy, and love. If I want gentleness, I have to, do you see where I'm going with this? Faithfulness. That self-control that you want so desperately doesn't come to the end of the thing. It's not the beginning of the thing. Because if you are willing to walk through all of these, you will understand that self-control is very easy. He said, these are the fruits have you ever wondered what's really falling from your tree? Because this is how the world sees you. The world's waiting to see this come from you because the word says this is the fruit of the spirit. And he says, the world's going, when are you going to start manifesting this? When are you going to start demonstrating this? Because, because I didn't treat you nice so you're not kind to me. I didn't do you right so you're not faithful to me. Can I just say this to you real quick? There is a condition in the, in the world and in the church today that honor and loyalty is dead. Yeah. And I'm not talking loyalty unto death. I'm just talking a loyal heart, yeah. a loyal livelihood. It's gone. We're not even loyal to God anymore. God don't give me what I want. I'm walking out. I'm going to go somewhere else. I'm going to pick up my toys out of my sandbox. I'm going somewhere else. How many sandboxes you got to tra change and trade out before you finally realize it wasn't ever about you? It was about producing good fruit yeah. through you. Sit down. I'm going to call you back in a minute. Just be prepared. So don't put all your stuff in your lap and think you're all comfortable. Amen. He says that God prunes us in order for us to bear more fruit. In other words, if you want self-control, understand that there's going to be things he does to you to create self-control in you. Hmm. How many of y'all have prayed for patience? God, give me patience. Do you ever see what God does to you when you pray for patience? He sends all four of my children screaming at the same time. God, that's not what I asked for. Yes, you did. Because I'm going to work it out of you, not just give it to you. Because let me help you with something. Whatever you work for has value. Whatever he gives you, you'll throw away. See, work has value. So he's going to work it out of you. Listen, no limb just bears fruit overnight. It grows through a growth process in order to bear fruit. Good fruit. You're going to have to go through a process in order to bear good fruit. He says that God prunes it in order for us to bear more fruit. In other words, we do not just bear it, but there are seasons to bear more fruit. Each one creates the next one, but everything starts at love. 
John 15 verse 3 says this. It says, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. And I read that and I was like, why, why did Jesus put this one scripture right in the middle? Because it makes no sense. You're already clean because of, ever, of the word which I have already spoken to you. God, I, I, Jesus, what were, you, what were you saying here? So then I started reading it out. Well, the message version says you're already pruned back by the message I've spoken. Or are you? Because the truth be told, if God is the word and the word is God, then the word is the pruner. And if you do not accept the word, then you refuse to be pruned. And if you try to change the word, then you devalue the one who's come to prune. Therefore, he is no longer the gardener. You just want him to be the waterer. <laughs> you just want him to make you look prettier. Plant some good bushes around to make my ugliness go away. Come on, work with me for a second. You never heard that statement? You can't put lipstick on a pig and call it something else? Still a pig. It's amazing to me. You can't, you can't put on prettier clothes and see more holier. You can't lift your hands a little bit higher and see more righteous. There's this whole thing of presenting ourselves as a manufactured masquerade existence of our true self has got to be broken. And it will only come when we choose to let the word begin to prune us back. Can I help you with something? Every change in my life came out of the word. It didn't come out of somebody's preaching. It came out of the word. When it manifested on the inside of me, it started to change me. That's what truly what pruning is. Change. But we, we, we hate change because we don't want to do anything we don't want to do. Keep living that life. Because if all you ever do is live it according to what you want, you'll never get what he has. You'll get what you want, but you'll never get what he has. And I would much rather have what he has than what I want. Jesus, in that moment of that scripture, was referring to John chapter 13, verse 10. So if you don't understand the storyline, Jesus is in the upper room with the disciples, and he's having this conversation about I am the true vine. But in, verse, in chapter 13, verse 10, he says this. He says, a person who is bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet, to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. This is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. Can I help you with something? You can sit in the teaching, you can attend church service and still be dirty. You can call yourself a Christian and still be unholy. You can call yourself a church attender, tell people I'm your pastor and this is your church, and still be walking yourself right to hell. Now, let's be honest. Let me be completely truthful. There is a heaven and a hell. I don't understand why churches don't talk about them anymore. I do not major on the hell and minor on the heaven. I major on the heaven and minor on the hell. But I'd be wrong as your pastor not to tell you if sin leads you to hell. So just that's a clarity. So we move on. Okay. So here's the truth of it. We have gotten to a point where sin is acceptable. Uncleanliness is acceptable. And God will just fix us all. But the fixing doesn't come until repentance. Because repentance requires humility. And without humility, God can't touch your heart. Because if without humility, humility is the wall breaker for God to get inside of who you really are. Amen. And so we've got to be willing to allow him in to do this. Don't just sit in the room and hear another message and say, I've arrived. No, hear the message and let it change you. Let it manifest in you. Let it shift you. Let it mold you. Let it make you. Let it create something new in you so that when you walk out of this place, you weren't like, oh, we just went to church. But you walk out of this place going, I have been redeemed. I have been set free. I have been changed, not by your own opinions and emotions, but by the word of God. I am the true vine, and he is the vine dresser. In verse 4, it says, it says, abide in me, and I in you. 
As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. The word abide means to remain or continue to stay. Why is it that we've turned God into visitation? Sunday mornings from 10 to 12 is not visiting hours for the believer. But yet, I'll be honest with you, in this area, that's how we exist. Well, as long as I go to church, I'll make it in. But the Bible says that he who endures to the end shall be saved. I've looked all through Scripture. It doesn't say anything about he who attends church faithfully every Sunday shall make it into the kingdom of God. He said he who endures. To endure means you have to be walking with the one that gives you the ability to endure. He who endures, he who stays with me, abides in me continually, without wavering, stays with me. He, that person shall be saved. And let me help you with something. It's not a once and done. It's a daily event. For daily, I lay down my life. Daily, I pick up my cross. Daily, I ask God for the crucifixion of my own flesh. Daily, I go to him rather than go to everyone else. Daily, I abide in him. Daily, I remain. I continue to stay. He says, if you abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. If you stay connected, you will remain in him and he will remain in you. But if you disconnect, you cannot expect. There is a lot of people in the church today that are disconnected from God, but still expect God. Still expect God to come do all the work for you. Come expect God to do everything perfect for you. Come and say, no, you got to remain connected. Now, let me say this to you as a sidebar. This part of the message is more for the seasoned believer. And in this room, I have to tell you right now, I am dealing with the seasoned believer who refuses to really live a life for God, but just lives in an existence of portrayals and masquerades and, and showboating to make everybody believe who he is or she is rather than truly exist in who he or she is. Because the truth of it is the real you doesn't come out in church. The real you comes out when you walk out the door. The real you shows up when you think no one's looking. Not the real you in church. Come on, work with me for a second. Because you walk in church, hey, how are you? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored of the Lord. God is amazing. God is great. God is good. You see my money? How are you? The devil's a liar. I hate him. What happened to Sunday? Well, I had to play the part. Can I help you with this? If you play the part, then you're not connected to the vine. You're connected to yourself. And you were hiding behind the masquerade of an existence that God never called you to. He says there in verse 4, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. How many of y'all want good fruit? Come on, I, I told you this is interactive. That was like 30% of the church right there. And if you're a spouse, please not wait for your spouse to raise your hand for both of them because I need both of you to want to bear good fruit. Amen. Okay, we should all desire to bear good fruit, right? We all desire that, right? Connecting on Sundays will not bear good fruit. I, I know that's unpopular teaching because all we want to do is go to church. But connecting on Sunday is not going to bear good fruit. Waking up in the morning and having four and a half hours of your prayer closet will not bear you good fruit. Reading your Bible because you're stuck to a Bible reading plan will not bear you good fruit. Singing the songs that Pastor Ben and Pastor Katie and the team sang this morning will not bear you good fruit. Abiding in him will bear you good fruit. Connecting to him will bear you good fruit. You're not connected to the local church because until you're connected to him, the church doesn't have value to you. 
Here's the problem I've noticed. I've noticed, you know why people get in churches and leave churches and go to churches and leave churches and go to churches and leave churches? You know why? Let me tell you why. Here it comes. Because they're abiding in the church rather than abiding in Jesus. When you abide in Jesus, the church actually becomes valuable to you. But if you think the church is the value, then you're not connected to the vine. No wonder you're not bearing fruit. Then you wait for me to bear the fruit for you. <laughs> I can't do it. I'm bearing fruit for me. My wife bears fruit for her. I'm praying that my entire family bears good fruit. I'm believing that we will all bear good fruit. But I cannot even bear fruit for my own children. It's not my responsibility to bear fruit. It's my responsibility to raise a child in the way they should go. And when they get older, they will not depart from it. In other words, I need to bear fruit so they see what good fruit looks like. So that when they get older, they go, oh, daddy bear good fruit. I want to bear good fruit too. See, here's the, here's the problem. We, we put so much value in the church and the preacher that we forgot that it was all about Jesus that led us to the Father, not about the pastor who led it. Okay. I hate to tell you this, that when you die, I'm not standing at the gates of heaven opening the gates for you. I'm not going to be there. I'm going to be in my own party. Have my own good time. If you're looking for me, I'll probably be in the throne room. What? Yeah, I mean, we're going to be throwing down. Like, that's just going to be me. Pastor, where's your mansion? Ah, I don't even care about that. I'm just going to hang out in the throne room. Look at the light show in heaven, bro. This is off the charts. Like, like this is, uh, well, uh, you know, because here's the truth of it. I think a lot of people are not going to make it into heaven because they're thinking that someone's going to be there to give them VIP access. And let me just give you one more sidebar. This is not even the notice. This is a freebie. You can't pay your way into heaven. Amen. You can't even work your way into heaven. Hey. You can't attend your way into heaven. The only way you can get into heaven is if he abides in you and you abide in him. If you remain in him and he remains in you, unless you stay connected to the vine, your life will never manifest. Where's love at? Where's love? Love. Okay. Here, here's the funny thing, though. Here, here's the funny thing. There's love, but all the rest of fruit is scattered throughout the room. This is the condition of the church today. Nothing's connected to love anymore. It's all connected to its own self. <laughs> if you got another fruit, you might want to get next to love right now. Like, like right now. Like, like that, that, wasn't a, that, wasn't, that, wasn't a, that was that was a great commandment, not a suggestion. <laughs> Now, now can, I, can I show you something real quick? There's color. There's creed. There's different backgrounds. There's difference. There's not the same. This is what heaven looks like. Let me just say this for the cultural epidemic that we're dealing with right now. This is what heaven looks like. If your church and your movement and your life doesn't look like this, you are not connected to the vine that operates out of love. You are connected to something else that exists for your own good. So here's the truth of it. Every fruit that is produced off your tree better have love attached to it or it will wither and die immediately. Okay, now you understand. Pastor Robert's feeling awkward right now. He's like, get him off me. Love, 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 love. Okay. You get anything out of this yet? Good. Almost done. Verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do Y'all said that like y'all were depressed. <laughs> I can do nothing. You should actually be able to say, like, I can do nothing. Yes. Can, can I just tell you, I have a motto for myself. I desire to be stupid. <laughs> Knowledge kills people. Info, let, me, let, me raise, let me phrase that. Wisdom doesn't kill people. Information does. 
Okay, wisdom doesn't. The Bible says wisdom is the principal thing. But we, we so desire to have to be knowledgeable in every. I don't want to be knowledgeable in everything. I want you to be able to ask me a question. Go, oh no, <laughs> Pastor. Why would you ever want to do that? Because that means you got to go figure out, and I don't. Praise God, <laughs> Pastor. How you doing? Oh, uh, I, I'm okay with that. I, I'm okay with that. I tried that with my wife. You want to do dishes? Uh, <laughs> you want to bathe the kids? Uh, <laughs> what are you doing today? Uh, that one doesn't work so well. I tried it, it doesn't work. But there, there is an issue. Oh. I'm going to be in so much trouble when I get home today. Oh, so that's what you were doing the whole time. Can I just give you a sidebar real quick? My wife likes to come to me. I'm, I'm just going to take a moment. You just have to enjoy the moment for a second. My wife likes to come to me and say, hey, baby, you, you want to watch the kids? Can I just be honest? I do not answer her with a loving kindness. Oh, yes, sweetheart. I want to watch the, I want to bathe the babies. No. I let her go, No. Why not? You asked me. You should have never asked me. You should have said, baby, I need you to bathe the kids. Then I would have complained and done it reluctantly, but I'd still done it. And every husband in the room said, amen. some of y'all didn't say amen because you want to go home and still not be in the doghouse. I'm okay. I'm good. All right. And so the truth be told is that she likes to ask me these questions like, hey, babe, you want to do the dishes? No. You want to take out the trash? And I'm like, baby, don't just don't ask me if I want to. You're going to get the fleshly side of Brian. No. I don't want to take out the trash. I don't want to mow the grass. I don't want to bathe the kids. I don't want to wipe butts. I don't. I don't. And if you do, you're great, better than me. Praise God for you. But it is not something I'm like, yes, sign me up. I've been waiting for this moment my entire life. I was born to change doo-doo diapers. <sighs> and then I usually get the response of, no, I don't want to. Well, do I have to do everything? <laughs> Pray for us. Amen. Then I go, what? Everything. And then it's like, woo! And then we have to pray and reconnect to the vine. Amen. <laughs> because I was in the flesh, she was in the spirit, and and okay. See, I'm trying to fix myself right there. Y'all saw that. Amen. She was holy and I was a sinner. Okay, praise the Lord. <sighs> he says, I'm the true, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. You cannot disconnect when it's convenient and still bear fruit. The branch dies and bears nothing. He says, you cannot, without me, you can do nothing. In other words, he's saying, if you're not connected to that vine, there will be no fruit. In other words, you will die. You will die. Is death on your bucket list? Because it's not on mine. So I understand that life comes when I'm connected to the true vine. Today's culture says things like this. I can do it better. I can change scripture. I don't have to live according to the word. I can just try to follow it when it's convenient. No, you can't. Because if I disconnect you from the vine, you die. And that doesn't mean you cannot disconnect something temporarily. It disconnects permanently. If I cut you off a tree, I can't glue you back on. Now, if you watch enough DIY videos on TV, you'll find out people take bushes and plants and they, they cut little slits and they stick them back together and they wrap them up and they kind of grow back together. But here's the problem. They have some weird deformity lump off the branch. God did not call you to be deformed in your growth process. He called you to grow the way he's designed for you to grow. Stop trying to reattach 
when you keep trying to disconnect because this is what we do. We get to moments in our existence where we want to do what we want to do. And God says, stop. The Holy Spirit says, Brian, stop. Hey, you, stop. Hey, don't do this. Yeah, but I'm going to do me anyway. So we break ourselves from the vine. And we go, God, I'm going to do mine. And then we have a moment where God calls us back and we try to stick ourselves back. Here's what you have to do. You have to come back and ask God if you can connect back to the vine. Understanding that now you have to start the growth process all over again. Not pick up where you left off. I've seen this so many times over the years where people have grown in the kingdom of God, grown up in the church, grown in the things of God. And, they, and they, man, they, you, you thought they had a great, a great limb, a great branch. And then all of a sudden something happens and they break off. And then they expect to be able to pick up where they left off. Uh-uh. You got to go back to the start. Connect yourself back to the vine and let God start a brand new work in you. This is not about start, stop, start, stop, start, stop, start, stop. Somebody told me years ago, they said, do you know why TVs die? Is because you turn them on and off all the time. If you would just let them, leave them on, they would last longer. Because it's the power cycle on and off that creates wear and tear on the mechanisms and the electrical components on the inside. And this is the same thing we do to God. We connect when it's important to us, but we disconnect when it's not. We connect when it's convenient to us. We disconnect when it's not. We connect when we want something from God, but we do not connect when we don't need anything. And be honest with you, most believers connect in crisis. They do not connect because of faithfulness. And so God's saying, listen, if, if, if you abide in me, we'll stay connected. But if you don't abide in me, you can't do anything. You won't bear anything. You can go to church all day long. You can sit in all the services you want. You can sing all the songs you want. It's not going to change anything in you. It's not. Listen, Satan comes to church. So you're, you're, until you abide in him, you're no different. Until you abide. See, that's why Satan got kicked out of heaven because he refused to abide in the Father. And God went. That, that's how it looked in my book. That's how, man, you see God. But he wouldn't abide in the Father. And so God says, you can't stay. Because what you will do is you will create dead things in my kingdom. And this is a kingdom of life and freedom and joy and peace. And you will not corrupt my house. You will grow in my house. Let me tell you something. If you don't have a desire to grow in the house of God, do not expect to enter into the kingdom of God. And let me say this to you as a sidebar. Even the one on the cross next to him that received him that day, that was a sinner on the cross next to Jesus, grew in the kingdom while Jesus sat next to him. Because he said to him, he says, when you go into your kingdom, remember me. For those of you that don't understand what I think that meant, was I think that that man knew that Jesus for 32 years was also a carpenter and knew that he had the ability to build things. And that man who was broken, he was telling Jesus, will you remember me? Put my member back together because I messed it up. And I understand that that man might be cursing you, but I won't because I don't want to end this life here. I want to end it at your throne room and it's sitting at your table. And Jesus said to me, I go and prepare a place for you. You don't have to be perfect to enter the kingdom, but you have to be willing to grow to walk in. Verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and he is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. And I know what you're thinking. Yeah, no. If I don't remain connected and continue to stay in him, God will cast me out. That's not what he's saying. Because that's not the loving God that we serve. See, so many times we read scripture, we want to go to the worst possible thought process. 
God stares at heaven and is like, I'm going to kill you all. That's not what he's doing. But he's making you understand he has no desire for the dead things. What he's saying is that it is not that I throw them away, but that they throw themselves away. And if a branch falls off a tree, you don't break out the super glue and glue it back. It's dead because it's no longer attached to the source. Read it again. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. If anyone chooses to not stay connected to the true vine, he is cast out. It is not the vine dresser that casts him out. It is him that casts himself off the tree. And it says, then the branch is withered and they, who's they? God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit come and gather up the dead branches and put them in the burn pile. The only reason you disconnect is because, not because God has disconnected you, not because God has thrown you away, but it is because you have chosen to walk away from, to disconnect yourself from, and all God's doing is cleaning up his garden. See how that changes? If a branch falls off a tree, you don't break out the super glue and glue it back. Stop. You've got to reconnect back to the vine. Verse 7, this is where we'll close. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done. If you underline in your Bible, please underline in that. I would ask you to underline that whole verse of scripture because you cannot get the it shall be done until abiding happens. Mm. How many of y'all want an it shall be done? It shall be done. Yeah. Have you abided yet? Because it's amazing the demands we put on God but have no desire to live with God. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified. In other words, what you ask for, the Father gets glory, you don't. But I need it for me. See, ah, see that you can't get it. That's bad fruit. I want it for me so everybody can see me. No, no, no. You want it for you so that everyone can see what God is in you. Because your life is not your own. Your life is only a marker of what he can do in the lives of others. So God, hey, this I, God, I need you to do this in my life. Will it glorify me? Well, no, it'll just make me look good. Well, I'm not going to do that. Why won't God give me what I want? Why won't he give me that house that I want? Why won't he? Because you wouldn't worship him if he gave it to you. Why won't he give me that car I want? Because you, you won't take the one he already blessed you with. Why won't he give me that favor and promotion on a job? Because you haven't prayed for your boss. You cursed your boss out. Ah, no. Just see, Pastor, go back to the happy place. You talk about your wife and you. I know, I get it. But this is not the way it is. We want to abide when it's convenient, but we refuse to abide when it counts. You know when it counts? When no one's looking, not when the church is looking. That's when it counts. It counts when you go home and how you treat your spouse. It counts when you go home and how you treat your children. It counts when you go home and you change and you do the things that you want to do. And you think that God can't walk through the locked door of your house and see what you're doing. Abiding is not reserved for the moments of Sunday rituals. It's reserved for those that choose to abide in him, and he now abides in you. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. In other words, you can't be disciples until you start bearing fruit. Read it. I didn't translate that weird. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. This is how my father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. So then, then you will be my disciples because being a disciple is, is, willing, is being willing to bear fruit. Because if you are a follower of Christ, then you stop bearing what you used to bear and you start bearing what he puts on you now. 
you stop bearing dead, withering stuff and you start bearing, bearing produced uh, uh, greatness and things for the kingdom of God that brings him glory. But he takes this a step further. Many of us want to be able to ask God for something and have him do it. But if you stay connected and you let the word of God stay connected to you, you can ask anything of him and it shall be done. Do you understand what a powerful statement that is? I don't think you get it. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I think I'm way over your head right now. Because I don't think you truly have put a marker on this statement. And it shall be done. Not it might be done. I hope one day it might come to pass. But it shall. It shall means instantaneous. It means right then. When was the last time you moved with passion or compassion or in the moment that you understood that by your prayers and it shall be done? Okay, can I, can I give you this one? Come on, I'm mess with you. I'm messing with you really bad. And if you don't believe in this and you haven't read your Bible, okay? Patricia Robin was in the hospital. Walked in. It was late night. What was it, like 2 in the morning, Troy? It was late. And, and, and they said, will you, Pastor, will you come and pray? And, of course, that's what I'm there to do. I'm there to pray. And, and I'm not there to cry. I'm there to pray. Have faith. Amen. And so I walked in the room, and I, got, I let the family kind of talk with her and hug her for a few minutes. And, and I walked in and laid hands on her. And I didn't go, oh, God, if it be your will, oh, Jesus. Can I be honest with you? I'm so sick of church folk praying like that. God, if, if you desire, have you read your word? If I abide in you and you abide in me, then I get an it shall be done when I begin to pray. So I walked in and laid hands on her leg and on her forehead. Now understand, for hours, this woman has not moved. Troy was there. I'm not making this up. Father, this is not the finish line for Patricia. This is what happened. Because what you were here, if you were here that Monday night prayer, she yelled out at the end of Monday night prayer, Jesus says, I am healed. That's what she yelled. She knew what she, she knew things were going, but she was declaring her healing ahead of time. And she knew that God was going to heal her. And I said this, I said, Father, every seed has to have a harvest. And so I'm declaring harvest. The moment I said that, she started moving. Arms started moving. Bodies started moving. Everything started changing. Nurses come walking in, looking over my shoulders like, what's going on? Now you go, Pastor, that's weird. That's, that's just her nerves moving because that's what happens when you're in the condition. She, was, she, had, a, she had a brain aneurysm and, and, and she had swelling on the brain and all this stuff. And so you're going, but that's just medical. See, that's the problem. When you're connected to the vine, you don't walk in the medical. You walk in kingdom dynamics. You stop walking in flesh dynamics. Now listen, let me be honest with you. There is room for science because here's why I love science. Science every year starts to prove what we declare. No, science says evolution. Did you know that Darwin even went against his theory of evolution on his deathbed? But we want to say, theory of evolution, theory of Darwinism, Darwinism. You dummy, if you claim Darwinism, you have to claim God. Because Darwin said it this way. Out of all of my research, and now in this moment, I have come to this realization that there must be a greater creator that is greater than me. Go look it up. You'll find it. It'll mess you up. Can I be honest? I think he connected to the vine on his deathbed. Oh, man, I've been disconnected. Oh, I need, uh. Truth be told is that we're not connected to the vine anymore. We're connected to moments. We're connected to emotional feelings. We're connected to the comfort of the church. 
We're connected to the goodness of the worship. We're connected to the charismatic preacher. We're connected to the condition of the building. You know, it would be amazing if we could not have buildings and we just had to sit on a hillside, how many people would actually come and gather? It's too hot. It's Louisiana. Pastor, we love you, but can we get some AC? That's the problem of we've become so creature comforted that we forgot to become God comforted and Holy Spirit comforted and connected to the true vine. He says, ask for anything and it shall be done. Once the word is in you, then you know how to ask. <sighs> okay, so just let me, let me, let me get this clear. People go, Pastor, I don't know how to pray. I can tell you why you don't know how to pray. You haven't read this yet. This is the guidebook for great prayer. If you pray the word more than you pray your emotions, you might see God move. But if all I do is pray my emotions, no wonder God doesn't move because it might not be in the word. What I want might not be found in this. He said, pray my word. If I abide in you and you abide in me, then this word is in you. And if this word is in you, you'll pray my word. And whatever you pray in, watch, in me, it shall be done. Whatever you pray in me, he is the word, the word is God, the God is word. Whatever you pray in me, it shall be done. I didn't ask for Patricia to wake up out of her slumber because I needed to feel good about my life or my position as pastor. I asked God to do his greatest work in her so that his name might be glorified in the earth. So that she might walk back in this house with hands uplifted. And declare that the world thought I was dead. But God says in him I have life and life more abundantly. I declared over Jerry last week that this would be the last day he worried about his heart. And then you see all these things happen. You go, well, Pastor, you prayed that and look what's happening. Uh -uh. Can I just tell you where my faith level is? God is doing a work. That's why his heart is freaking out. Because it's trying to adjust to the workmanship that God's doing that no one can see. You go, Pastor, how can you say those things? If you don't understand those things, you haven't read your word yet. You haven't, you haven't read. Do you understand that the word healing translated is to be put back to one's original design or condition? And when God made you, he didn't make you broken. It's life that broke you. God doesn't break people. God creates. And then we want to blame God because we didn't get it. See, the only reason you blame God for where you are is because you're not connected to the vine. We claim about deformities in our existence because we're not connected to the vine. But if you were connected to the vine, you might understand why that new twig branched off your vine. Because now God's trying to grow you into a greater space. He says, I'm the true vine. He's the vine dresser. I'm so grateful that I'm connected to the vine. But can I be honest with you? I've gotten to a point in my life where I get excited when the vine dresser shows up. I don't do it perfect all the time. But I'm not striving for perfection. I don't do it great all the time. I'm not striving to be great. I do to the best of where I am right now and ask God to guide me to a greater understanding as I grow. 
The Bible says that when you end this race, you'll be you'll enter into heaven and he'll say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You notice he didn't say pastor, prophet, evangelist, preacher, teacher, psalmist. He didn't say any of those things. He said, well done, thou good and faithful. Two words that kind of don't exist in the culture today, good and faithful. Everybody's trying to be great, but disconnected at the same time. I don't need you to be faithful to me or to this church. I need you to be faithful in your connection with the vine so that the vine dresser can come in and tend to you so that you have greater growth in your walk as a believer. If all of your kingdom growth is dependent upon me, you will wither away and die. Where a lot of churches today say, well, it's the pastor, it's the pastor. I don't want to be the guy. All I want to do is say, come here, let me show you. This is where I connect every morning, every night, every moment. And are there moments where I kind of get distracted? Yeah. And then I'm reminded, get back. Don't, don't stay disconnected. Don't do that. Get back on. Grab it. Grab it. Hold on to it. Don't waver. My connection to the vine makes my marriage great. My connection to the vine makes my relationship with my kids great. My connection with the vine makes preaching very easy. Where my connection with the vine makes my study time and my word time very simple. And I don't have to dig it and go crazy and lose my mind over it. I don't have to crawl in a closet for four hours hoping that God will see me in my prayer time. I can get in my car and have a conversation with him on the way to Starbucks while I get my coffee. And me and God will have great communion on the way there. I don't need all those crazy moments. I don't need all those Bible reading plans where you're good for a week and then the seventh or eighth day you start to feel guilty because you slipped up because life stepped in and you feel like God's angry with you because you didn't read your three chapters and da-da-da. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Rather, I choose to meditate on the Word. In other words, I read the Word and when something hits me, I sit on it. And I let it rest until it takes root so that I begin to grow greater roots in the Word, not greater roots in a performance of being a churchgoer. I've read the Bible to three times, from cover to cover, three different times. And I'm still learning, and I'm still growing. Don't let my accomplishments fool you. Because the first two times I read it, because that's what church folk do. It wasn't until the third time that I read it and slowed down and let the word take root in my existence so that I might grow with the vine rather than grow outside of it. He is the vine. Jesus is the vine. God is the vine dresser. Make sure that you allow both to operate in your life. Everybody stand to your feet.